Hello, and welcome to Just Create, Damn It, a podcast for artists, creatives, and humans that want to get out of their own way and just do the damn thing. I'm Jenny McKay, an artist and certified life coach, and I'm going to show you how to create a life you love and the art you love with curiosity, freedom, and ease. Stick around and let's see what we are capable of together. Next up on the podcast, we have Natalie Solomon. I met her via a friend on Twitter, and I am just so excited to introduce you to her. She does stylized photo shoots, and she is just one of the most magnetic people. Um, Her art is unique and innovative and always inclusive. I remember I was most impressed by her. She did a bunch of styled shoots once, and she had um, all these dresses and clothes available for these styled shoots and they were everywhere from like extra 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 small to like 5x and I was just so impressed from her with her from that point on and I think you'll feel that same connection with her and you'll need to check out her photography because it is so unique and inspiring and yeah she's one in a million. Natalie I'm so excited to talk to you today. I first met you at a Christmas New Year's Twitter party a few years ago, which you probably don't remember because there's so many people there. Oh, I forgot. I went with Madeline. Yes. I know. Wow, that was pre- a thousand million years ago. Pre-COVID. So. I don't think I existed before COVID. So. I know. <laughs> yeah, but that's when I first met you. And, and then I just started following you and you just do so many beautiful like styled shoots like photography shoots and it's just so beautiful and i i don't see many people that do things like you do and so for me i was like natalie is a leader in the arts there are so many photographers here in our little utah bubble but there are so few that really jump out and do these crazy unique things and so i'm just excited to talk to you about your artistic journey and things like that today Thank you. That is so kind. Dear Lord, the pressure is on. Oh, no. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) So can you tell me like the 90 second version of your like artistic journey so far? Don't worry, I'm not actually timing it. I can even go shorter than 90 seconds. I can say it in two words. Chronic illness. Okay. Tell me why. Why How does that define your journey? (laughs) I never anticipated being a photographer professionally. I loved taking photos in high school. I was the yearbook editor. I learned how to use a camera manually, not just the point and shoot back when I was a teenager. But even as a teenager, I had the thought, I wonder what I want to do with my life. Not this probably, And so I went to college, I got a theater scholarship, I got married, I had a kid, I started performing and working just odd jobs on the side, like working in the ER, working at a daycare, all of these places that have a lot of germs. And you know that I have chronic illness, so I feel like you might know where this is going. Everybody at both jobs said, after the first six weeks, you'll never get sick again. You'll have the best immune system in the world. Nope. <laughs> not what? Not your experience? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't think so. I was very sick at 
both the ER and the daycare all the time. I was a new mom. My husband had just started an accounting job that he hated. We were both fresh out of college and I was trying to perform on the side as like a way to keep myself mentally sane. But not only was I getting too sick to work, I was getting too sick to do the things that I loved. So I was too sick for work and passion. I've been performing on stage since I was nine. That's all I've ever wanted to do. (laughs) I always told people that I was a jack of all trades minus the mastery part. I was really good at a lot of things if I put my mind to it, but I wasn't like amazing at anything. And so when I got too sick to be able to be on stage and to work, which that's the more important one, but that's not what was more important to me at the time. I had to quit my job. We couldn't afford to live in an apartment without two incomes. So we had to move in with my parents for six months. I was too sick to get out of bed some days. I had been misdiagnosed with different chronic illnesses lupus and rheumatic fever which fun fact if you're a little women fan (laughs) beth gets scarlet fever and rheumatic fever is what kills her fun fact fun fact with natalie (laughs) i need my own podcast now (laughs) so i had been misdiagnosed with those and i was dying slowly inside yeah because not only were you like physically to survive your needs but you also had nothing to keep you like your spirits up totally the thing that really mattered to you was gone as well and it felt who I was and everything about my let me start that over (laughs) that's fine it felt like everything that defined me had been removed from my life because fun fact something I'm in therapy for is the ways that I can be productive are the ways in which I hold value and suddenly no productivity just like it was gone yeah so then all you're like all you're you didn't feel like you were valuable at all yep which I'm sure you can imagine was great for my mental health and so I picked up my old camera that was at my parents house that I hadn't touched in years except to take some actor headshots for friends and I just reached out to people in the community did some free photo shoots realized I really loved it and started experimenting with other styles like boudoir with a college friend just in my bedroom at my parents' house, which is a very weird thing to say. And I'm glad they don't listen to podcasts because I don't know if I've <laughs> ever told them that. It was our mattress though. So it's fine. It's fine. It's so funny how scarcity often becomes like the motivator of creativity. <laughs> like you like you didn't have many resources, but like you just yeah. all of a sudden found a way to create because you had to. Yep. Because otherwise I knew I was going to lose my mind because I was already halfway there. Yeah. Living on a prayer. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> living on a prayer. <laughs> and 
how have you been able to grow from doing boudoir at your in your parents' house to what you have now? A lot of work. I yeah. truly a lot of hustle, a lot of connections, a lot of outreach. There's this hashtag that I've seen a lot in the photographer community, community over competition, mm -hmm. which it doesn't always feel like that necessarily. Yeah. But I do love the sentiment and it's something that I try to live by. Yeah. And so when my husband got a new job and we were able to move out of my parents' house, I started reaching out just to a bunch of people through Twitter and Instagram and model calls and all of these things because not only had we moved to a new place where I didn't know as many people, I just didn't feel like I was ready to promote myself as a professional yet. So yeah. it was a lot of, hey, do you want a free shoot? Hey, come with me to Ikea. I want to take pictures in the light bulb section just to see <laughs> what it's like. Hey, <laughs> come sit in front of car headlights at night. I want to try something. Yeah, It was a lot of experimentation, a lot of free shoots, a lot of putting myself out there. Yeah. And trying things you've never done before. Mm -hmm. I have some photos of a girl wrapped in a very thin portable blue wire, the electric wire that just lights up. And she's got fake leaves and figs in her hair. And she's got gold freckles. And we took those in my bathroom with the light off just because I wanted to see what it would look like with that blue electric wire wrapped around her. And I'm sure it looks amazing. I'm going to go look I... it up after this and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'll send it to you because at the time I was like, man, that was stupid. This is the worst. I'm a bad photographer, but I just looked at those photos last week and I resaved them to my phone. They're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is about that perspective? Like that the... What has changed between when you thought it was dumb and now? Oh, for me, I think it's a combination of being so overexposed to different photography mm -hmm. styles and photographers and all the blessings and curses that come with social media. Because as a small business owner, that's where I do 90% of my work. 10% of it is photo shoots and editing. 90% is marketing and responding to DMs and interacting with other photographers. And because of that, I am so sometimes overwhelmed mm -hmm. with other people's art that I feel like mine is not good enough or boring because I see their art in its finished state yeah. and I see my art through every step through the experimentation and through the editing and through all of the missteps yeah and then on top of that also I think it's just because I've been doing this so long now that I've got a rhythm which is great and I really appreciate it. I love that I know what I'm doing and I feel so much more confident, but I also don't feel the need to venture out and explore as much 
So I do look back at those photos with love and joy and a little bit of sadness that I don't feel that same level of optimism and just blind creativity. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think as an artist develops, sometimes you answer, it might feel like you answer all the questions Mm -hmm. that you can ask, right? Because like at the beginning, it was just like anything goes. Yeah. And you get to be curious and explore all these different avenues of creativity. You get to take photos in your bathroom and you get to do all these fun things. And then at some point, probably as artists, I think everyone, not just you, just reaches a point where it's, yeah, I've asked all the interesting questions. I'm in a rhythm. I know all the answers now, which is comforting. Like you said, it's comforting to know, hey, I feel like I fit now. And I feel like not so desperate and not, yeah, like graspy, that graspy, like scarcity energy. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder if some of that graspy energy actually encourages some creativity. Yes. In the words of famous American patriot, Alexander (laughs) Hamilton, young, scrappy, and hungry. Yeah, that young, scrappy, and hungry attitude can really develop, <laughs> help you develop creativity, even <laughs> though maybe not all of your hierarchy of needs are being met. And I don't know, I think every artist goes through that journey. It's almost like you just described the burnout journey, right? Going from anything's possible to like, okay, I'm in a rhythm, but what else is there to be creative about almost? Totally. Yeah. Have you experienced burnout with your photography at all? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> Maybe I have a little bit, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me uh, about it. Maybe two weeks ago, I was sobbing into my husband's arms about how I have photos from April that I still haven't edited. And now it's the middle of July. 2023 has been a year of exploring burnout for me because I've had my business for more than five years now. I've gone through everything from being a boudoir photographer, a wedding photographer, an elopement photographer, fashion, brands, couples, families, you name it, I've probably shot it. And this was the first year that I decided not to hustle my way through the winter, which for photographers is the slow season. Whether you're a wedding photographer or not, when it's cold and 12 degrees outside, people don't want to be outside. And we are out of the era of JCPenney family portraits. And usually in years past, I have offered Valentine's Day boudoir minis. I've done multiple weekends of that, which I stopped doing weddings because my chronic illnesses didn't allow me to handle being on my feet for 12 hours a day. But mini session days are being on your feet for 12 hours a day with different clients. Yeah. And so for the first time in five years, I decided not to do boudoir minis this past winter and not to hustle and push and girl boss my way through post-Christmas into spring. And it was really great. It did its job 
because I was worried if I kept pushing, I would meet inevitable burnout where I didn't have a choice mentally or physically. I also have, I have fibromyalgia and Hashimoto's as the more physical chronic illnesses, but I have depression and ADHD and my depression gets a lot worse in the winter. In years past, I've tried to just push through and get myself so busy with work and everything else that I don't have time to focus on how sad I am. Yeah. And I turned 30 this year. I finally decided I didn't want to try and numb it out or cover it up with other things, which was another reason why I decided to take a little bit of a break this past winter. And I'm lucky enough that I have a partner whose job can provide for us while I'm taking a break. I'm very lucky in that way. However, when the weather started getting warmer again, when people wanted to shoot more, and when I assumed my mental health would be better, I still didn't feel that motivation to pick the camera back up. And I've got to be honest, I'm still not totally back in the game right now. I'm still dealing with burnout. Yeah. And it's July, (laughs) which I think we think of burnout as, oh, I'm experiencing burnout. I have to take a couple days off or I'll take Mm -hmm. a week off or even just winter off, but not, not allowing ourselves to process emotions for an extended amount of time is going to take like more time than just a week or a month off. Yep. So like, how have you been, you mentioned you've been exploring burnout. You didn't reach the point where it was like inevitable that you would just have to stop, but how have you been exploring burnout? I am really lucky that I saw this burnout coming so that I was able to step back and let it gently roll over me like a wave rather than when my husband and I are making the bed. We have a weighted blanket. He'll pick it up from the bottom where all the weight has gone, shake it out and throw it on the bed. And it, boom. It crashes. And that's the best metaphor I can think of for the burnout that I saw coming that I didn't want to hit. It was just me laying on the bed with a hundred weighted blankets getting ready to smack down. Yeah. And even though the burnout was softer, it still hit me. And I don't think there was anything I could have done to avoid the burnout because I had been working nonstop for five years straight at my craft. But acknowledging it and validating it and not letting myself sink into shame which I did do eventually, but not at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not letting myself sink into that shame, at least in the beginning, was very nice. I have a tendency when I've reached my unspoken quota mm-hmm. on dealing with painful things, I'm like, okay, if you're not healed by now, you have to move on. You're a, sh- you're a failure. So I've been dealing with that more recently But from January to about April, I was letting myself sit with the burnout and 
acknowledge that it was okay and recognize the rest that I needed mentally and physically. I'm at the point now where my sweet little goblin brain (laughs) doesn't want me to rest anymore. So I'm working through those feelings. And I want this PSA to all artists that might be listening to Jenny's beautiful podcast. Take a break. Take a freaking nap, man. (laughs) Take a fucking nap, bro. (laughs) It's exhausting. Not only as artists, period, but as artists that are so inundated with our art form, other art forms, just noise from every corner, from every angle, from every device. We see other people doing things that we wish we knew how to do. We see people who aren't even in our art form and think, wow, I'm a failure because I can't draw with charcoal. I don't think I've ever touched chocolate in my life. <laughs> Why would I compare myself to them? Please stop it. You silly, silly goose. Yeah. I love uh, just everything that you just said about you defined burnout so well and like how we get there. And it's so hard as an artist to stop because we like you're exactly right we see everyone else doing things we don't see them resting and then when we do rest we think that we're only allowed a quota a certain quota yeah i should be out of burnout now that i've taken a week off we give ourselves a quota of rest i'll do that and then i'll be healed and it's been interesting to watch some of my artist friends take a couple years almost out of the game just to like recover and heal and that's not too little or too much time to to be stepping out to heal I think we have this scarcity mindset of man if I don't do it now I'm not going to be marketable like I had like a student come I'm also a voice teacher so I had a student come and she's I'm I just only have so many years where I'm marketable as a singer so I just want to start lessons again and I'm like man where do we get this idea that we're only marketable now and that If we stop, everything's going to go away. Capitalism. (laughs) Welcome to capitalism. Woo! (laughs) Are you enjoying this fun little hellscape we've created? (laughs) Yeah, but how do you step out? How do you step out of that hellscape? How have you stepped out? I will say a lot of privilege has allowed me to step out. I acknowledge that I am a white woman married to a white man who has a job that can provide for us while I am figuring shit out. And a lot of people don't have that option or a lot of people don't even have the option to use their passion as their career. Yeah. And there are positive and negatives to doing what you love professionally. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity and that I'm able to take a step back when I need to rather than working myself into the ground physically and emotionally yeah. and ending up resenting 
what I do because that's what the last few weddings were like for me. I used to be a wedding photographer and the first year that I really hustled and put in the work to be a wedding photographer, I made 60 grand. I made good money, but I was also going into the bathroom at weddings, having a little cry in the stall with all my wedding equipment, my two cameras on me like a harness, like I was ready to jump out of an airplane and then shaking myself off, taking some Tylenol and going back out there and shooting for another six hours. It was not sustainable. And when I decided to be done shooting weddings, I was terrified. And that very first year, I took a pay cut of $30,000, which still meant I was making 30 grand, which I'm very grateful for, but more than anything, my mental health was so much better. Yeah. And it wasn't a feeling of dread leading up to every single event that I had to shoot anymore. Yeah. So you almost, I don't know, just putting the numbers on it makes us, makes me think, wow, there's a price to mental health almost. And I think sometimes we think that price is too high. Yeah. And then you get to these, bur those inevitable burnouts where it's like, you have, like, you, you no longer have the lower price of mental health. The price has now increased to like mm -hmm. your whole job. You have to take a full break. Yeah. And, and I don't know, like what? I know that going back, we can't go back and change things, but if you could tell like your year ago self something like, or advise your year ago self about like things to change, what would you like tell your year ago self to maybe not prevent burnout, but to lessen the effects of that wave of burnout you've been in? Totally. I am going to say something very controversial. lower your prices and raise your standards. What do you mean by that? Tell me more. So I went to a photography workshop at the end of 2019 and one of their biggest things that they were pounding into all of us is you're not charging enough. You could be charging so much more. And I know they came at it from the perspective of charge what you're worth. And yes, I do feel like currently I am charging what I am worth, but I also live in Utah, so there are a ton of other photographers that people can go to, and I feel like I personally, while I still feel like my market rate is pretty average for the country, I am in the top 5% of photographers in Utah, and I do feel like that's priced me out of some really cool opportunities to work with people who have ideas and photo shoots I'm really passionate about. And also, because my prices are so high, I don't get a ton of inquiries. And when I do, I feel like I have to take them, regardless of what the photo shoot is. And normally, I vibe super well with everybody that reaches out to me, and I'm so lucky for that. But there have been times when I'm like, this is not worth, this is not worth the money. 
I'm not having a good time. <laughs> I think people automatically just think that by raising your price, you're raising your standard. Mm. And that's, and I think that's so interesting. You point that out because that's not necessarily true. You're saying that even though I have higher prices, I get fewer inquiries and I don't like all the inquiries. Yeah. So basically like you can't guarantee that by raising your price, you're going to have higher standards of inquiries. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that applies everywhere. Pricing is so in the arts in either teaching the arts in like your gig work in any sort of freelance work. It's, it's an experiment. It's part of the creativity of running a business in the arts. Absolutely. I love the pricing advice. And the, I think one of the last like specific to you questions I want to ask is I think there are lots of artists out there that are quietly suffering in chronic illnesses, whether they be mental illnesses or physical ailments. So how have you, we just talked about burnout. So there are lots of ways that you didn't make your career work for you, like with all the weddings that you suffered through and stuff like that. But how have you made your career work for you and your chronic illnesses and, or how will you, how do you want to make them work for you going forward? I want to say this carefully because I don't want to come off sounding ungrateful or like I hate my job because I know how lucky I am and how grateful I am for all of these opportunities. And I love working with people and I love coming up with these photo shoots. I started photography because I was dealing with burnout and chronic illness symptoms that at the time were undiagnosed. And I made this my job professionally because as a mother and a wife and someone with chronic illnesses, I was able to be really flexible and set boundaries and reschedule shoots if I needed to. And I don't want... I don't want people thinking that that the arts can only be one or the other, can only be like a source of burnout or something to avoid burnout. And I don't want people to immediately consider their passions as a high risk for burnout. Yeah. Because just society and the space that we live in, which is online a lot of the time, is telling us we have to monetize everything. If you don't want to monetize your passion, your art, your hobby, your craft, don't do it. Yeah. Don't. I monetized it because... I loved it and I could see me doing it for years and years. And I eventually got good enough that if I didn't charge people, it would almost be a disservice to other photographers in the area, yeah. which I know for small business owners makes sense. It might not if you've never owned your own business before. But it is actually genuinely a disservice to other artists in your area if you're willing to do something for free that they are charging and making a living off of. I think that 
the biggest enemy, at least for me, is myself in insofar as invalidating my work as an artist and myself as a person with chronic illness. Like I said, I, after I met this quota of time that I should be done resting, immediately it went from gentleness and patience and grace to, you are lazy, you are bad at your job, you're a bad person. So I don't know if I'm the best person <laughs> to answer how to handle burnout and invalidation in physical and mental ways, because that's still something that I'm working on very much. But something that has helped me is that I've revamped some styled shoots. I have a whole photo shoot closet, probably 60 or 70 outfits that I've thrifted over the years. And in the past, I've come up with concepts for these shoots, like a vampire in a museum, but plot twist, all of the portraits are pictures of their victims, like yeah. very hyper-specific, tell me you're a theater kid without telling me you're a theater kid yeah. shoot concepts. And I've just recently, within the last two months, come back to that, but instead of doing hyper-specific concepts that then someone else can book. I've started these finding joy photo shoots, which is where we have a consultation with someone. They give their story of how they got to where they are. And I say we and they, because I also have included a modeling coach in this, where we will talk to the person, talk about their story, talk about their vision, for a photo shoot celebrating themselves and their journey. And from that, I can pull pieces from my photo shoot closet. And we, as a team, can have this really amazing, collaborative, beautiful photo shoot that means a lot more. And at the end of the day, the reason why I started photography was to be a safe space for people. My business name Opia Glow Photo, Opia means the intense and sometimes uncomfortable concept of eye contact with another human being. And I wanted to recognize when I first started my business that photography is scary. How many people do you know that love getting their picture taken? Yeah. And I wanted to acknowledge that and also acknowledge with the glow that this is a safe space. I'm acknowledging the discomfort and the vulnerability that you are handing to me. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make this a safe, gentle, warm, glowy, soft space for you to be your authentic self and to celebrate yeah. you. And with these finding yourself photo sessions, I feel like I'm really coming back to why I started taking photos and why I loved photography was seeing the authenticity in people and seeing them break out of their, I have to smile for a photo. I feel uncomfortable. I don't like this thing about my body and helping them celebrate themselves and yeah. all that they've gone through to get to this point. That's beautiful. 
I think coming back to your why is a really empowering way to to fight burnout to prevent burnout mm -hmm. because like when you come back to your why you're basically just coming back to your values and so when we live in alignment with our values we waste a lot less energy and we feel more grounded and just like all sorts of energy we we save and like emotional energy mental energy physical energy just by living in accordance with our why or our values right and yes. so i think that's a really empowering example like what you're doing is oh i've been in burnout for a while what can i do to come back to myself as an artist as well as heal and coming back to your why is a great way to do that and i will say this is the first time that i felt motivated and excited about photography in probably four or five months yeah that's awesome and i think you one of the things you said is like your your own worst enemy like within chronic illness as an artist it's all we are all our own worst enemy but i think remembering that you're also the asset i think when you have a chronic illness like i've had a mom with a chronic illness and i've also since covid since having covid had lots of health problems and so like i think it's easy to see yourself as your enemy not only mentally but like physically it's how can i possibly be the asset in this business when i have to cancel shoots i have to be flexible i can't work as much as i want and just remembering that even though it seems like you you are your own worst enemy you are also the biggest asset to your business right the biggest asset to your art is your mind and so like protecting that and remaining flexible even though society and all the things say we have to hustle and we have to keep going and rescheduling is bad business right there are all these messages that say that go against what we need to do to protect the asset which is our mind which is our brain our creativity so i think yeah, I think you're a great example of that, like what you're doing right now. Hey, awesome. That's so nice. I, when I first started years ago, when I was charging $50 for a photo shoot, I had someone that I really looked up to who was the head creative director over a project. And she asked our correspondent if I could opiify the photos a little more because that's when I was first starting and okay, I have to make this look really professional and all the other photos I've been seeing and not allow myself to just practice and have fun like I did with the boudoir session in my parents' basement. Yeah. But hearing someone that I respected and looked up to so much say, can you ask her to opiify it was a really nice reminder that, oh, they don't want the photos to look like all those photos that I've seen of photographers that I look up to. They hired me because they want it to look like my work. And that was the first time I had ever really recognized that my different was something really special as opposed to oh, I need to try and fit in and fit this box of what a photographer should be. Yeah. That's beautiful. You're beautiful. 
Okay, let's do, just to finish up, let's do some like rapid fire questions. They're rapid fire. They probably will take some thought. What book would you gift to every artist if possible, if you could? Sorry, that's not going to be good for an audio interview. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Just farting noises. <laughs> Listen, I know that this is going to be a very strange choice, but it's actually a book I'm reading right now. It's called mm -hmm. Body Positive Power, and it's by Megan Jane Crabb. And it's all about how the diet industry is bullshit and how bodies are beautiful and bodies are meant to be. And even though this might seem like a weird choice to recommend for artists, one of my biggest things about photography is self-love. And if I can do anything in a photo shoot to get you even an inch closer to loving yourself and appreciating this physical form that you have, and I've done my job. Yeah. My, my motto is always your comfort and joy and safety is number one priority. I don't care if the photos look good. Yeah. Because I have enough technical training, they will technically be beautiful yeah if you don't feel good in your body if you are uncomfortable during the entire photo shoot that is all you're going to be able to think about when you look at those photos yeah and I feel like that's true for a lot of art where we have sense memories we look back and we remember where we were in that time not only physically through the photo but emotionally and mentally, spiritually, all the other things. Yeah. And I think that as artists, we already have so much like trauma and bullshit that we're either trying to put in our art or heal through art or avoid through art that this book is a really nice reminder of all the other things we could be focusing on and putting our joy and our energy into yeah. other than our physical appearances, which I know is a weird thing to hear coming from a photographer. But my point is not just to capture the body. It is to capture the body and the soul so that when you look at your photos in 80 years, you remember the joy you felt at that time, yeah. not oh, I skipped lunch so that I would fit into whatever for a photo shoot. That's awesome. Now, along the same line, if you knew a young artist had an extra $500 to spend, how would you tell them to spend it? I guess if the art is photography, I would say buy a new lens. As a photographer, again, lots of hot takes in this one. I don't know if the body, the camera body is as important as a lens is. Mm -hmm. I was working with refurbished, old, used body cameras for a long time before I got the newest model. And I definitely can tell the difference, but there is a much greater difference in 
investing in a lens as opposed to the actual body of the camera itself. To other artists, I would say invest in some form of community, either by signing up for a workshop or buying supplies at a local craft store. I cannot think of a better way to use an artist's money for the art than to invest it into the community and back into the art. Yeah, because I don't know anything about other artists' equipment, yeah. other than, like pencils, yeah, <laughs> paint. <laughs> and last question: What is your favorite thing to do while driving? Listen to music, podcast, book, phone call? Or are you a serial killer and you like it silent? <laughs> If that is the test, then I am the least serial killery person <laughs> in the world. My sister still gets mad because when I was eight and she was five, I made us listen to Harry Potter audiobooks when we were falling asleep. Mm -hmm. My ADHD and silence, absolutely not. Anxiety attacks all over the place. I still have to listen to things mm -hmm. to fall asleep. But driving, I will either listen to a podcast or music, or what I do most often is I will Marco Polo friends. Yeah. <laughs> Which if anyone doesn't know, it's like FaceTime and texting had a baby. Yeah. Where you can send <laughs> long form videos to them, but they don't have to watch it. And then they can reply with long form videos at their own convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with my audience either about, yeah, where to find you, like what you're doing right now? Maybe if you have room for the Finding Joy photo shoots, how they would do that or anything like yeah. that? Yeah. I am going to start opening up the Finding Joy photo shoots, hopefully at the beginning of August. I'm not sure when this is going to be dropped. Sometime in August. Perfect. <laughs> Easy peasy. You can go to my Instagram at opiaglowphoto, O-P-I-A, glow photo opiaglow.com is my website. You can DM me or you can send an inquiry through the booking page on my website. I think that's, I'm on Facebook, but is anyone really on Facebook? So if you want to get a hold of me, either reach out on Instagram or through my website. Perfect. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me today. I'm excited to share your wisdom with everyone and yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Wisdom is a high bar and I'm sure I did not reach it, but I was really happy to talk with you, Jenny. <laughs> Thanks. If you want to better apply and further the discussion of what we talked about on the podcast today, make sure to join my podcast Facebook group in the show notes. I will post journaling questions, worksheets, and other fun things in there to make sure we aren't just listening, we are acting on the inspiration we receive. Also, if you are wanting to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, I offer 45-minute possibility sessions where we laser in on what you want to create most in the next six months. Then I lead you through my six-question possibility practice, which expands your vision, gets you unstuck, and moving toward what you really want. I'll see you there.